So it's been six years. Is that right? It is. I don't know how to do math. <laughs> right? Six years. Oh, my gosh. That's a long time to be doing anything. Um, right? Right? But here we are. I'm glad we're still still kicking it and still doing it and uh that we're still friends and you don't hate me after uh doing this together uh for the last six years right, <laughs> you ain't right. gotten sick of me yet <laughs> right right i mean it's it, this has lasted longer than some some of my marriages so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so i i think we both talked about um just like having, you know, I guess interviewing each other, just having a conversation, kind of like asking some fun or interesting questions about the work that we've been doing together, about each other, uh, and just sort of clue the listeners in on that a little bit as, you know, part of a commemoration of the last six years of doing this. Um, I have some questions here. I know you do too. I think, you know... One thing, one place to start would maybe be like, and I don't know if this is kind of a cliched question for something like this, but, you know, I'd be curious to know what has been the most unexpected part of the podcast for you or or like what has come of it. I mean, a lot of it to me has been unexpected, I think, mostly because I didn't really have any expectations going <laughs> into it because I had no idea what right. we were doing. But uh, if Same. you were to reflect back from from where you're standing now, I guess what strikes you is like, wow, I really didn't see that coming. That's a good question. I don't think it's a cliche and there's, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes cliches are good. Um, but sure. um, I think that perhaps the most unexpected thing uh, were the people that came into my life as a result of this and have stuck around right and have shown up in really significant and important ways not just for me but for um my kids uh and that's been amazing uh but also a testament to the commitment that many of us share to doing this kind of work um and i feel like yeah yeah. What about you? Uh, I mean, that's definitely something that I would point to. I think also, like, if I'm thinking about where we are now, loosely in the world or in this country, I'm also kind of struck by the timing of the podcast a little bit. You know, like, I don't know if I necessarily would have thought in 2017 that a lot of what has transpired around people's awareness of the abolition movement or people's sort of um, frame of understanding for a lot of the issues that we've touched on would be like quite as, you know, maybe not commonplace. Cause I don't know if they're always like fully grasped by a lot of people who might've like ter- heard of the term like prison abolition or something like that. But even just the way that I think, you know, particularly among younger people, like their orientation to like law enforcement and policing, I think, mm-hmm. um, has changed in ways that I don't think I would have thought would have happened so quickly or not, not quickly. Cause I mean, it took a lot of time to get here, but uh, that when we were starting the show that within a matter of years, some, there would be sort of like a, 
a bit of a turning point um, yeah. in people's understanding. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I feel like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and like how relevant a lot of the conversations that we've had with people over the last few years have stayed, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. I was thinking that uh, when, uh, well, a couple of things um, to your last point there in terms of relevance, like, you know, looking back over the, how many episodes have we? Recorded? Oh man, close to a hundred, I think okay. 80 something. Okay. Um, like there was not, like, if I think back, like, were there any really cringy, weird things that I said that, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, <laughs> you know, um, we should say that with our whole chest and stand by it. Um, know. you know, but I feel like, yeah, to your point, I, I feel like a lot of it, um, or most of it, if not all of it, uh, has remained, uh, really relevant. And that's not just to, you know, not just patting myself on the back. No, that I'm saying that I think that you know when we started there were very few other abolitionist podcasts and I'm really glad to see a lot more um content podcasts you know all kinds of things that are being generated now um that is really useful uh it seemed really niche when we were yeah. <laughs> starting out like you know, um, and you and I have talked about this before. We thought, you know, what, like 10 people might listen to the podcast. Right. 10 people who <laughs> we know personally. Yeah. Who we know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, because not all the people we know are, you know. Yeah, that's true. Are, are listen that's true. To it. So it was just, you know, it was a, a really, um, not uncharted because I feel like a lot of this work has been done. People have been talking about abolition for decades, right? If not sure. much longer. Um, but in this particular format, it just, it, it wasn't happening in, in this space in a way that it is currently. So um, to fast forward and especially with, you know, the events of 2020, just a couple of years into the podcast, um, I mean, 2020 seems like so long ago. It seems like Dude. so much further away than 2017. I know. I mean, so many things just really coalesce around um, the summer of 2020, the, um, you know, uh, beginning of the pandemic in March of that year and on and on and on. Uh, down the line. It's really hard to just, you know, um, put that all into one thing. I don't know if that answers the question or. No, it um, does. And I, and I think too, to your point about like a time when it felt niche, you know, or um, again, you know, being clear that it's not like we were the first abolitionist media makers or whatever, like, and plus like who cares about you know, right. first and things like that. But I think for me, when I think about it, it was kind of like when you and I started out or in the couple of years before that, when, when, um, you know, we started Shadowproof and stuff, I feel like I just didn't <clears throat> have as much of an awareness of, or like a contact with, or a visibility of a lot of other people who were doing this work. And I feel like in the years since, I have met so many people who have been doing this work and I feel like a lot of us has, have kind of found each other and are, have been mm -hmm. making media together. And I feel like that is part of 
you know, uh, what has changed, you know, in terms of just the general, like, if we're talking about media specifically, the way that media mm-hmm. approaches these subjects, I think a lot of us who have been doing this work or who've been thinking about these things, you know, finally were able to not just build platforms, but like connect, you know, and like support each other and, and do that work. So, um, Absolutely. so yeah. Absolutely. Completely agree. But yeah. Your turn. You asked something. I have several questions here so, <laughs> per usual, right? It's, um, <laughs> but what are, what's like one or two things that we've addressed um, on the podcast that you feel you really learned something new from? And mm. I'll refrain from answering my own question, right? Sure. <laughs> well, <laughs> You might ask me that question anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I mean, kind of going back to something you said earlier, uh, I I don't know if I have the fortitude to go back to listen to a lot of our episodes and hear some of the things that I've stumbled through on the podcast and things like that. So I'm sure I know that there's a lot of things because I remember in the moment, you know, certain conversations like really vibing with afterwards. I know there's things that I won't remember for the purposes of this conversation, but I think a couple particular like issue areas that we really spent time on that I think stuck with me. And again, like later proved like very prescient. Um, For example, like a lot of the stuff that we had done around like mail and communications and, and pen palling, like, it's interesting to me how often throughout the last six years we have talked about that and in a way like sensing a lot of what is now like really quickly coalescing around restrictions, like really like further restrictions on communications and surveillance. Um, You know, a lot of the for-profit companies that we have talked about buying each other out and, and sort of like monopolizing, um, in controlling like large swaths. I mean, like when we started the show, I feel like I was doing a lot more like snail mail, whereas like now I barely do, you know, most of the people I communicate with, the vast majority are through these services, um, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm sending the mail to like fucking Florida to talk to somebody in Pennsylvania or whatever, you know? Um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, I also think, the conversation that we had with Jay a long time ago about uh, sunlight um, and access mm-hmm. to sunlight for incarcerated people, I think really stuck with me as something that is like, once you start talking about it, you know, really stands out to you, but it's kind of not something you're, you, you know, you immediately uh, hinge on. And, and, you know, with that, um, I think that the podcast has really, uh, been instrumental in me kind of appreciating more than I really thought that I had, you know, I, I thought that I had an appreciation for, but I have an expanded appreciation for uh, the organizing work of incarcerated people because we've covered that so much over the years. Um, and in particular, like, especially around COVID and, and the family members in California and, and things like that, that we did. Um, you know, those are some of the things that I think, you know, really meant a lot to me. And um, again, like over the years, I kind of realized how important it was. And at the moment it felt important, but like I I couldn't really realize it until it sort of metabolized through the years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Um, well, when you said, uh, you know, the sunlight is a human right, um, it's something I think about daily mm-hmm. uh, because my youngest son, Paul, spent years, years in solitary confinement um, without ever seeing sun. Mm-hmm. And my oldest son has been in and out of solitary confinement um, and for the past year has been kept um, kept back there and um, has not been able to go outside. Like he doesn't get to see the sun at all. Um, and it's like, when you think about... <laughs> When you think about that, um, and I'm not, I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing. No, yeah, yeah. Infuriating. Um, just how depraved you have to be to deprive human beings, other human beings, of something as basic and as simple as getting outside and getting sunlight, right? And I think about it in terms of other implications as well, right? So there are all the mental health issues and reasons why that's a problem, but then also um, there are health, real, also physical health consequences of depriving someone of sunlight. And especially for black people, um, you know, vitamin D deficiency is a problem. So we're purposely making people sick physically and mentally under the guise of justice, safety, security, right? Um, yes, and I mean that to sound as condescending as... <laughs> yeah, folks can't see what she's doing the air quotes. Right? <laughs> oh, they can hear those air yeah. quotes. They can hear them uh, in, in my voice. So there's that... Um, and uh, I was just looking at our website. It's, I mean, it's really hard to pick um, mm-hmm. to pick a couple of episodes, right? Um, and and uh, just talk about that. Um, I feel like some of the so many of the episodes have stuck with me and resonate with me. And like you, um, it's hard to just pick one or two and say these are the ones, right? Um, because all of them in in different ways and for different reasons um, speak to some aspect of the problems, the issues, and all of these things that, you know, we're attempting to address that we want to um, share with folks and help educate folks about and so on and so forth. a couple that do stand out, I would say, um, in defense of looting, mm-hmm. uh, featuring Vicki Osterweil, around um, prison censorship and mail. Um, I think that we started talking about that such a long time ago and noting those shifts, as you pointed out, um, where now I don't go to the post office to send mail anymore. Um, And I've 
sent a couple of pieces of mail, but like you said, you, they have to go to one state to get to another state, right? So you got to send something across the country to go <laughs> 30 minutes down the road, which is wild. Um, but it also speaks to the way that uh, prison officials and uh, prison companies have taken over the communications and found other ways to make us pay um, for our people's incarceration, right? So we have to pay to communicate. Email is not free. You have to pay for the email. You have to pay for video visits. You pay for the phone calls, right? Um, the mail is, if you send mail now, the mail is slow as hell. It was slow before, but it's even slower now. Um, and even though we were dealing with a lot of challenges years ago, um, it's not the same as now. Now the mail is scanned in a lot of places by these companies. Uh, so there's no guarantee that they're going to get it. There wasn't a guarantee before, but it was more likely. Uh, and this also speaks to, you know, the issues that we have talked about. And I believe this is folded into a lot of different episodes, right? Um, in terms of censorship and what kinds of materials are permitted uh, to get in. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, was able to get into the prisons before that no longer um, can no longer get in. So that that poses a lot of other issues. And I feel like, you know, those are some of the things that uh, we've highlighted on uh, on the podcast, but we've also talked about um, in depth and developed strategies and uh, and ties with different folks uh, across the country to, you know, figure out what to do next um, in response to a lot of these uh, policies. Uh, I think that our COVID-19 um, work also really uh, impacted me. Um, from the very early days, right, to talking with uh, folks like um, Kay Whitlock and Donna Murch, um, that was, you know, really impactful. Um, and important um, work that that we did around that issue. And it's not that COVID is over. Um, <laughs> we really <laughs> frustrated with um, with with comrades. <laughs> yes. Uh, in it, who are basically, well, whatever, it's it's over, let's move on. Um, right. And that speaks to, and we need to not mince words. We need to be very clear about that. Um, a disregard um, and lack of solidarity with disabled people in our own spaces, right? So not just in the world in general, like it's it's already hard, right? That there are a lot of things that um, many of us couldn't do before. Um, and we have to be able to safely get out, right? Because <laughs> getting out is important for everybody, not just for some people. Um, 
but we also need to be able to do things in a safe way. And it's kind of disheartening when you see folks um, who say that they're in solidarity with you um, or claim to be in solidarity with you, um, who aren't wearing masks, who are, you know, holding events where mm -hmm. no one's masked, no one's social distancing, no one's doing any of the things and all this stuff. And that's making it so that many of us are just basically having to say no right. to things um, because we can't safely show up in those spaces. And yeah, um, I, I, uh, anticipating something that I want to ask you um, down the line, uh, that's an issue that you know I, I hope that we talk about more. Um, mm. on the podcast. So, Definitely. Um, I think that, God, there's so many people. It's just like, I know. we did a lot of, we did a lot of stuff. Um, the the work that um, you did, uh, you took the lead on, on a CI toolkit, I think is incredible. Um, our interview with uh, Adrienne Marie Brown, mm -hmm. um, I mean, she's just such a joy to talk with, such a joy. Um, talking with Andrea Ritchie, mm -hmm. um, gosh, Maya and Victoria, James mm -hmm. Kilgore, Dylan Rodriguez. I'm just kind of like going through yeah. some things here. It's just, there's so many people that have shared with us and have taught me so much. Yeah. So much about this work and it have helped me um rachel herzing I, yeah I, oh my gosh rachel herzing um helped me sharpen my lenses um and uh think about think about the ways that we approach this work and i think that that was really um important yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, yeah, I I also really appreciate some of the episodes that we've done around like art and creativity. Um, you know, like the episode that we did with Taylor Nouvelle, um, you know, the work that we've done on education. Um, I know, you know, one that stands out to me as well as the conversations that we had earlier about uh, transformative transformative justice and pod mapping, um, community accountability, those kinds of things, um, you know, pre 2020, I think those were very formative, um, episodes for me. And I've, and you know, the way that we have also returned time and again to places like Rikers Island, which I think a lot of the things that we had people on to talk about, you know, four or five years ago have borne out to be true. Those jails are like no closer to being closed than they were back then. And a lot of the things that people criticized about divisions in the movement and the way that, um, you know, things were going for a seat at the table, I think have borne out as well. Um, and again, that's not, <clears throat> I'm not saying that, uh, similarity what you said to like pat us on the back but to say that like it's just interesting to have conversations like that and see 
how they sort of mature over the years. Um, and I feel like very fortunate that we were able to do that with a lot of people. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, a certain point, I feel like we could just read through uh, every episode that we've ever done. Right? And talk about right. them. I was going uh, through the list just like you and, and I'm like, how do you pick? Yeah. Like, totally. how do you pick? There's just, there's just no way because I could say something about each and every single one of them. Yeah. Um, and I have, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Yeah. What, uh, in what ways has the podcast influenced you offline? I mean, I definitely feel like I thought I knew more about what abolition meant to me and what you know being in community or being accountable to other people you know sort of my relationship values and expectations around being in relationship with people i feel like i had a sense going into the podcast about what a lot of that meant but through conversations with people over time i have a much deeper appreciation um for that i feel like i am um a lot more careful about a lot of that stuff um, and not so quick to, to sort of call things, uh, you know, being in community or being in relationship or those terms that are thrown out, thrown around um, pretty loosely, I think um, sort of more concrete and meaningful meanings, I guess, (laughs) for a a terrible way to say that uh, have taken shape um, for me over the years to, to really talk to other people and see like, what it means to them. You know, we used to ask people all the time, um, you know, what abolition means to them. And I think I probably, if you asked me then and asked me now, like, what are, what do a lot of these values or principles mean to me? I I feel like I have a much more um, tangible uh, sort of connection to them. Um, I also think like with that, my relationships with people uh, who are incarcerated have have grown and gotten like a lot closer, not just because of like the passage of time and, and sort of talking to people, but, um, you know, again, just like having a better sense of what it means to like show up for people and really know what that means and not do a thing that I think happens a lot in our spaces where we use kind of like the language of boundaries and and things like that in order to justify like neglecting and not showing up for people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I want to be careful about how they say that because I also obviously believe very strongly in, in a need for boundaries and, and things like that. But I feel like it becomes sort of an umbrella term for rationalizing, you know, neglecting people when they really need mm-hmm. it and sort of believing that, you know, like, I don't know, you know, like sometimes life is urgent and life is inconvenient and you still have to show up, you know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. don't have a choice about whether to show up or not. Absolutely. And I feel like that is something that I um, have really taken to heart over the years of, of doing this and having conversations about a number of different things. So I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, of course it does. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's that's another thing I've taken away. I also think the last thing I'll say is, and you know, this is something that you and I've been talking about a lot recently is really thinking about the role of media in our movements and the role in like what a liberatory practice of journalism 
you know, might look like. I think, again, it's something that I probably threw around or had like a very foggy conception of, uh, you know, six or seven years ago. And it, I think over time, I, I feel like a little bit more confident and that I know what the norms would look like and like how, how it differs from a lot of the norms that we currently have. So I don't know. So it's shaped, it's shaped my relationships. It's shaped my, my sort of orientation to media and media making. Um, and it's shaped sort of my, uh, my sense of urgency and my like, you know, what having connections and relationships to people like means uh, in terms of like a practice rather than sort of like the idea of having a relationship with somebody. Mm. Um, What about you? Has it, has it impacted your life offline or uh, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm definitely up my standards. For right? a lot of things. That's that's yeah. what I was trying to say. And yeah. I, I don't think that my standards were low before um at all. But I feel like, you know, to your point around um people will use the term boundaries, right? And it's um it's become a buzzword uh in a yeah. lot of ways. Um the many words become buzzwords and that's part of our work is to you know analyze them to be precise to be very specific in our usage of these things so that we're not just performing the idea of something but we're actually embodying and practicing the thing right uh so and not rationalizing neglect, right? Uh, because I, I feel like that feeds into um, that broader notion of organized abandonment, you know, to, to borrow a term from uh, Ruth Wilson Gilmore. Uh, and it, I would say that the things that I've learned through the podcast and, you know, through the people that we've had on the podcast, the writings, all of the many... Um, ideas that that folks have uh, taken such great care to put down um, so that they can be shared have really influenced and shaped my relationships, um, especially with my adult children. I feel like they're right there. um, That was, that was a huge thing, but it's also, you know, changed my uh, notions around I'm going to say it change sounds really like I was nowhere when we started and now I'm somewhere today. That's not what I mean, but I feel like there's been a tremendous amount of growth and a lot of shifting and deepening um, of what it means to be in relationship with other people. If we're thinking about it in liberatory ways, Um, what makes work liberatory? Right. Uh, (laughs) I've taught whole courses around (laughs) this idea. Right. I taught a course a few years ago, a a few years ago called Theories of Change. Um, And we explored that notion of, you know, um, what does it mean to be be liberatory? What does it mean to think uh, in a liberatory way? Um, And 
I'll hold off on getting into deep on that, but um, yeah, my expectations around community, um, around our work, um, the, the talk that I gave uh, last year in, yeah. uh, in Arkansas comes to mind and the organizers that I interviewed around the country who talked about boundary setting um, <laughs> and how sometimes um, we end up having to violate our own boundaries because right. things are happening, right? That things, when it comes to prison, things can't wait until right. there's a more convenient time. Right. That's not the way any of this works, right? Um, and, you know, that um, talking with people who shared their responses to the questions that, that I sent them, um, was really incredible experience, but also sharing that and in the feedback that we got as a result of that on that particular um, episode was um, was really interesting. Maybe, I mean, maybe a, a way to, to sort of segue off of that. One question that I wanted to ask for you is that, you know, we have talked a lot over the years about like, how are we gonna work together? Right. Like, what do we need from each other to be able to do this for six years? Because I think, you know, there is definitely like an archetype for podcasts or like, a, you know what I mean? Like you put out a show every week, every other week. You know what I mean? Like you got to show up, you got to do the Patreon thing. You got to make all this extra content. You got to, you know, and and obviously, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of other shows have who follow that model have explained, you know, in order to, to keep that going, it's like a lot of work. It's like a whole nother full-time job on top of it. And you and I sort of agreed from the beginning that, you know, like life comes first, I think um, for a lot of this stuff and that we weren't going to worry so much about the, the typical publishing schedule. I just, you know, not to preempt your answer, I should stop talking, but like, I wondered if you had anything that you wanted to say about like how you and I work together, what's worked, what hasn't worked. <laughs> I mean, like whatever you would want to say about like the thing we got going on here. Cause I do think it's different than how a lot of people approach, you know, starting a podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it, like you said, when we talked about how to make this sustainable for us, we had, I had shared with you very clearly from the beginning that I wasn't, I did not have the capacity at the time, nor the inclination, frankly, to just crank out a bunch of content for the sake of cranking out content and then creating a bunch of other content just for the sake of trying to get listeners and get people to pay us and all of this other stuff, that that was not going to work for me. Great if other people have the capacity to do that. Um, I, I, did not and do not. That's basically, I think, not think. I was dealing with burnout, right? I was dealing full throes burnout. Um, and I wasn't diagnosed with burnout until, you know, just a couple of years ago. But it takes five, five years or more to come out of burnout, three to five years, I think they said. Um, 
But if you're constantly going back and doing all the things that are lead you to burnout, you're never getting out of burnout, right? And then I had a lot of other things going on, health issues that were um, making it really hard to function on a daily basis, including um, had uh, spine issues, right? Um, For which thankfully I was able to have spine surgery um, about a year ago. Um, But uh, (laughs) pre-surgery, it was rough. It was rough, but I also have um, chronic pain condition that makes it really difficult most days to do anything. So getting anything done um, when you also have, (laughs) you know, spine pain is unimaginable, I think, for most people, unimaginable. Um, And then that was exacerbated by... um, other health issues that remain very kind of um, not very well managed, put it that way. So having to deal with medical neglect, which requires a tremendous amount of time, energy, and money um, (laughs) to navigate those systems uh, when people are like, you should be fine, just change your diet. Oh, get some rest. Oh, you you know, things like that. Um, Very dismissive. And then also, you know, most people just don't know how to deal with that. Not, you know, just in your regular life. They just don't know how to deal with that. They assume that if you're, you know, if you're up, you should be okay. You should be able to do things, right? Um, So then there's that. And that revealed to me the kind of, um, oh, so many things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it at that, right? If you feel attacked, you probably are, um, you know, being attacked. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, to put out or to commit to doing an episode a week was, or more than that. And sometimes we did, we put in the first sure. couple of years, I feel like we did publish quite a bit. Um, But we also talked about how that model as a model, right? If we're trying to construct a different thing, how doing the thing that we're saying isn't working for literally anyone, right? why is doing that thing, the thing that we're going to do as a way to talk about how to build a different (laughs) thing? Yeah. The math ain't mathing, as the kids say, right? Yeah. It just wasn't going, it wasn't adding up. Um, and there was just no way uh, that I was going to be able to, to do that. And I think that um, you knowing that and respecting that and being very cool with that. And there were times when, frankly, we were both scheduled to record or do an interview and I had to pull out at the last minute because I just couldn't do it. And you were just real chill about that. No, never a kind of like, uh, you know, thing or whatever, or we both basically canceled because totally, I was going to say, it wasn't always just you. I mean, I, I just definitely times when I just couldn't do it either. Yeah. You know, and for whatever reason, and we, we, we bake that in to how we work together. And I think that it's, we're sharing that because we think it's important for other people to know um, a little bit or give them a little bit of glimpse um, behind the process uh, of how we do this. 
because we're real people, right? Right. right. And we both had to deal with all of the things that happened around 2020 on top of all of the things that were happening way before 2020. I mean, we started we started the podcast a year into, you know, what's his name's presidency. <laughs> um, I can't, the, God, I can't say the name. Um, <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, what, 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 what are you talking about? But then I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, right. And it's like, like, I feel like we, uh, world events have yeah. traumatized us. On top sure, of all of the things that we us. deal with yeah. that are traumatic as, you know, part of doing this work, right? Like, this was, yeah, it's, it, it's great to be able to talk to these amazing people and to do a lot of this stuff. But there were times where it was just like, not only was I dealing with pain, but I was dealing with a crisis you know, um, for one person or another on the inside, um, you know, in 10 other things going on that reading even a chapter just seemed like so out of reach that it was just like, I'm like, this, this can't happen. Like, why does this matter right now? Like, you know, so-and-so people's lives were (laughs) on the line and, and it just, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's a no for me. Um, and the fact that you've been cool with that and I've been, you know, uh, hopefully supportive as well. Oh yes, absolutely. Each other that, um, that space, the support, but also the care and attention that we claim that we want. Right. Right. (laughs) in the world that's needed in the world for things to really change we decided very early on and we keep come we come back to that constantly are we doing this do you you know do you need space and time do you want me to reschedule and not do you want me to reschedule and then send you (laughs) 10 emails about like the thing or you know hounding you when you're trying to do you know, attend to a family crisis or something else. Like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about actually not just giving people space from work, right? From the work, but also providing the support that they need so that they can get through the crisis. Right. Because that's what's necessary. Because otherwise, what are we doing? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like part of what has made the show work so well has been our friendship and part of what has made that possible is actually trying to engage in that sort of level of care and understanding and and mutual support rather than just like saying we do while I'm trying to like or while one of us is trying to like you know force the other into you know some some expectation and I think I mean I couldn't say better anything that you said I think that that has been a huge part of it. And I think that, uh, you know, again, like from probably the perspective of a lot of people who like set out to make a podcast, like, I don't think that really taking seriously the idea that like life comes first is, um, is something that you can do when you, when you set up like a publishing schedule and, you know, you set up these expectations with your listeners and things like that. And I, I think, um, 
you know, and it's, it's, it's sometimes it's, especially when like, it's a crisis or like when you're frustrated, like it's easy to try to like feel pulled to fall back on sort of that reactionary footing of like anger. Like, why can't you do this? And like a lot of the stuff that we are talking about doing in, in terms of like caring relationships is not always easy or natural to do in the environment and like sort of the cultural milieu and that we live in, you know? And so I think that's been really important to me, but what I, what I'll add on to what you said, because again, I don't think I could, I could say it any better is that I also think that doing that, trying to adhere to that sort of framework, I was, I, I know you were as well, but there was always a concern that it would also impact the work, like what we were doing creatively, what we were trying to get across, what we really felt, uh, you know, mattered in that moment rather than trying to sort of retrofit something quote unquote interesting into the a, a calendar, right? I feel like we were much more able to sort of tap into what was going on in our lives and our experiences with a lot of the subject matter that we talk about in the show. And yes, that might mean that like stretches of months go by where you guys don't hear from us, but like, who gives a shit, you know, like we all have lives outside of this, you know, like, uh, and I think that that's always mattered to me. And, and, you know, going along with that, like I said, is like, what kind of a relationship that we want to craft with our listeners and to the people who have supported the show, like, I feel like, again, when you engage in this calendar model, there is sort of this like extractive expect, like, uh, you know, relationship or expectation. I know other people who, who work in media who feel very trapped by that, you know, especially people who have to increasingly crowdfund to support themselves because the media economy is just absolute trash. Um, and I don't think that that's something that to the extent that we're able to do it. And again, it's not easy. Um, and you and I have had to really struggle to make ends meet because of that choice that we've made. Like, mm -hmm. I think um, in the end, like I would rather, I would hope that more people who, who set out to make media going forward are really conscientious about the kind of relationship that an expectation that they're, that they're crafting with their listenership or their readership. Um, because it isn't just like a separate thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 I wanted to know, like, outside of the podcast, what, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, the struggles and things that we've been going through while we've been making the podcast. But, like, what has brought you joy outside of the podcast, not even necessarily related to the podcast? Anything that you've been working on? Any personal projects? Not even for, like public consumption, political education necessarily, although those things might have happened in the course of doing it. What are some of the things that that you've enjoyed doing and creating? So if you know me, you know, I'm an artist um, and I've been at least for the last few months um, really kind of not motivated or interested. Like I wanted to make art, but not mm. really. Um, inspired or whatever. Um, you know, sound like such an artist, right? I was <laughs> make art. Um, but making art does bring me a tremendous amount of joy. And um, recently, I launched um, a YouTube channel, Shameless Plug, um, where I talk about 
making art, uh, you know, my own process, my reflections and thoughts on um, how art can be wonderful, transformative, all of the things, right? Um, And not necessarily good art, right? Because I'm not (laughs) thinking uh, professional level art making, um, however you want to define that. Um, I have sold my art um, and been pretty good with that. I have exhibited my art and done well with that. Um, but it's also really hard to create art when you're in pain. Art is a very physical thing. Uh, so not being able to really do the thing <laughs> that I that brings me joy. Um, and it's not always just, you know, um, like you said, for public consumption or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really tough. So um, a while back, um, a couple months ago, I bought some markers and I just started doodling um, and uh, just, you know, decided I would do an exercise um, for myself, my own challenge, where I just um, looked at master works, right? Works by the masters. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, God, there's so much problematic shit out there. It's like literally everything. All anyone's considered a master is fucking problematic as hell. Um, that's why they're considered a master. <laughs> oh, God. And then there's that, right? Um, so you know, I just uh got myself a new, you know, a new sketch pad and I just started doodling, um, and just recreating those works in my own, um, in my own style. I um have more of an illustrative style um mm-hmm. and just you know i swear the first day i must have made like a dozen um mm. a dozen drawings and it was you know I, i'm like eh, am i gonna share that i don't know um i don't know it's like who knows it might make it onto the onto the channel it may not um it may share it at some point but most recently um i've been taking part in this um in his grief and loss uh, circle. And one of the ways that I've been able to stay present and grounded in that space um, is by doodling and mm-hmm. by creating art. And uh, every week we get prompts on, you know, that we're asked to think about for the week um, ahead and uh, bring those things to the circle to share with other folks. So, um, maybe I'll do, I'll do a picture of this. So I did this 3D illustration. Um, <laughs> and that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, if you do take a picture, I'll, we'll, we should share it with listeners. Okay. I love it. Um, so, you know, uh, last week, we talked about the idea of home. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what does that mean to you, whether it's, you know, physical space or, you know, um, something else. And for me, um, you know, I came here when I was 10, I was uh, born and raised in Dominican Republic. And um, I was kicking and screaming <laughs> when I had to come here, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd been here, I'd been here. I, it's like, my mother's American. So it's like, we traveled back sure. and forth. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, my childhood was spent there. So 
you know, during this grief um, circle, I didn't realize that this was a grief that I'd been holding on to for so long. Um, and I was like, okay, so what do I want to, how am I thinking about this question? What is home? Um, mm. And it's like, is it this place that I haven't been to in 45 years? Um, you know, is, is it just my 10 year old self thinking about this and whatever? Um, it, it sounds more depressing than it actually is. <laughs> the, the, the drawing is actually pretty joyful. Um, and I wanted it to be uh, purposely joyful because I think of this, you know, I, I drew like my favorite beach um, mm. and like favorite foods and things like that, that I had um, that I would eat when I would go there or that I just ate as a kid growing up in general. Um, so that has brought me a tremendous amount of joy and um, I've been able to get back into to reading and, um, you know, reading with my ears has proven to be, um, to get through that kind of block, whereas like yeah. I couldn't just read with my eyes Same. before. Like I found it really difficult. Um, and when I decided I was going to, you know, um, that I felt okay enough to get back into reading, I was like, okay, I'm going to try the audiobook route um, and see if that works. And reading with my ears has been an absolute joy. Um, and I use that terminology specifically to, because there are people who are like, reading with your ears doesn't count. Well, that's ableist. Um, yeah, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> fuck off with that. That's ableist. <laughs> um, but since I started, um, I think I've read like 20 books, 25 books already. Mm. Um, and it's not that I haven't read other things before, but it's just been a real challenge. Like I would pick something up and not be able to finish it or, you know, start. And um, I was so used to the structure, I think, of a course and I assign certain books or whatever. And it's like, read for that, um, which can take the joy out of reading. <laughs> Other people may disagree, but for mm-hmm. me, it was like, I, I think I felt sapped by that. And um, getting back into it, I'm like, oh, like I love listening to people read, um, read books. Um, it's just been amazing. What about you? Well, I mean, I agree with that completely. It's funny you say that because I don't know if we've talked about this very much outside of the podcast. But I've also some sometime in the in the past few years hit a wall with being able to read, you know, like uh, a book with my eyes, um, and have been uh, sort of just ripping through audiobooks in the same way and really enjoying um enjoying that i've been reading um palo alto by malcolm uh harris recently which is a really fascinating book um but other than than that stuff i mean as you know a huge sort of part of my time has gone into my partner is uh is a baker as some people might know, I occasionally share this. Um, and she lost her job during the pandemic and uh, basically started a bakery out of our home, um, which you can do in Maine. You can get like a, a home bakery license up here. And so that's been, you know, really uh, a wonderful project that I've been 
very lucky to be able to help with, you know, do a lot of dishwashing, do a lot of scaling, uh, slowly being able to actually like, you know, fill things or, you know, shape things, you know, uh, portion things out. Um, but it's been a lot of hard work. It's been exhausting for both of us. Um, and you know, as anybody who is sort of starting, whether it's like a business or a project or anything like that, like very frustrating and very difficult at times, but has been a huge source of joy for both of us and really gotten to know people in our community a lot better. And, um, just, um, sort of seeing the way that a bakery, really helps again i mean i don't know just like build relationships with people mm-hmm. all over your community has been really amazing i think we were both you know between the pandemic and between having um you know like remote jobs and stuff like that have begun to start to feel kind of isolated from the world and then over connected at the same time you know what i mean mm-hmm. like I, I think that feeling a lot of people have had through having to experience things through the internet and, you know, uh, because of COVID and things like that. And um, I think having the bakery has been really nice because we don't have like a physical space where like people can come, Um, you know, sometimes we'll do like pop-up events and, you know, masked and and things like that. Um, But, uh, or outside or, or what have you, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just been, it's been incredible. I mean, she's absolutely astonishingly talented. Her, her cakes look like art. She does a lot with local flowers and a lot of foraged fruits and and berries and things like that. Um, if anybody's curious, I'll put a link in the, in the descriptions to it. Um, but that has been a really big source of joy. I think for me over the last few years to be able to work with my hands in that way and feel connected to something like that, that is just such a, is so like, I don't know, like feeding people can be such a joyful experience and and creating foods that are meant to be not like, I don't want to say like they're meant to be luxury items, but are like, you know, it's like, it's like fun to eat a pretty piece of cake. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's just it's such a, exactly. That's celebrate. the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's just something so joyful about that particular kind of food as well. Um, and being able to share it with people and people have such a fun attachment to like desserts and sweets and mm-hmm. and things like that um i don't know it's almost like working in like a candy shop or something you know what i mean it's like right? uh, i yeah. so that's been that's been really nice too um uh and you know like trying to do um you know really just like a lot a lot more with my hands in general like we're trying to build like a flower garden here with native flowers so that we can use that in the cakes and stuff like that and learning all about that. And um, yeah, I, I think that those things have really sort of grounded me, um, especially with like all the tumult of like the last few years. Um, it's been a reminder that like life is complicated and like these things can all be happening at the same time. And you can't really like lose sight of that complexity. Right. You kind of have to like, both see the joyful, you know, aspects of the life and the things that you do. Um, and also like see and be there for the struggle and the, and the things that are also mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's what I would say. Um, and then, you know, obviously like working on things like the Marvel cook fellowship and like journalism stuff, um, you know, 
that has also brought me joy, although that's a little bit closer to what I would consider like straight up work. So maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to get too, uh, too excited about that, but <laughs> I have really, I have really enjoyed that. And I've gotten to know a lot of really amazing people through that. Um, and, um, and uh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, being able to like work through, I will say being able to like work through censorship in the mail and things like that. And, you know, sometimes taking a year to work with somebody who's incarcerated to write an article and like sticking with it and like, you know, like really sort of trying to stick to a lot of the principles that we were talking about earlier and making that happen and not kind of parachuting in or like demanding deadlines and, and really respecting the people that you're working with and the thing that you're making together. Like that has also been a really, um, you know, a really a, a bright spot, I would say. Um, of the last couple of years. So, um, so yeah, I think that's what I would say. I wish I was, I wish I was as talented as a visual artist as you. I feel like I would love to do that. It's like when, when folks see, um, Victoria's cakes, um, (laughs) you say, you say she's a baker, right? Like, like I bake, (laughs) right? On occasion. Right, like it just Victoria's not baking, she's like, <laughs> yeah, she's conjuring, it's true, right? like, it's she art, really yeah, is. she's conjuring these amazing creations that are just like they're light, they're pretty, like, they're really, really pretty. Um, and I like pretty, I do, <laughs> I like pretty, um, and you know. It, you said uh we were talking about it or you were talking about it earlier and i said uh they're celebratory right that's right yeah honoring special occasions whether it's a wedding an anniversary or something else birthday um i think it's like what the hell are we doing this for i know celebrating they're they're very expressive and i love that about it yeah you know um incorporating celebrations and joy and yeah pretty things and nice things like if all you can do and it's it's a both and for me it's not an either or it's a both and and i tend to stay away from folks that are just like it's work it's work it's work i get to work i have to work i have to work and i'm like okay i i get it cool um Good. Well, I hope at some point I can feed every one of you listeners some delicious cake. Um, so <laughs> we'll work on that. Um, that. That'll be amazing, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> we have to work on figuring out how you and I get, you know, to meet it for for listeners that are not aware. <laughs> this is some real Beyond Prisons trivia, right, right here. In six years of <laughs> doing this podcast, Brian and I have not met in person. It's true. It's true. Um, we were, you know, both on the West Coast um, in the early days, and then you moved across the country. I was True, although San Francisco and L.A., so, you know, yeah. also extremely far apart. Extremely far time, apart, yeah. but much closer than, <laughs> definitely, you know, like, definitely. yeah, than across the country. Yeah. And then, yeah, you moved, you moved across the country, and then I stayed out there, and then I moved over here, and yeah. then the pandemic happened. and. Yep. You know, I was I was in a lot of pain. There was no way I couldn't travel. Totally, like it was it it was always hell to get on a plane to you know go anywhere. So um, yeah, I just couldn't. But 
um, I got a new make back. it happen. Yeah. I got a new back, and um, I think you know, the, with this bionic back, um, I should <laughs> be able to do things. Um, now if we can just figure out all the other stuff, uh, yeah, that would real. be great, but um. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Brian, I enjoyed this conversation so much. Um, I can't imagine having done this podcast with um, literally anyone else. Um, Dude, did I, I really, I, I just can't. Um, I, I'm really proud of the work that we've done. Um, I don't want to downplay that. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I, I think that we should... Um, not participate in our own erasure by, you know, mm-hmm. downplaying it or negating the fact that, you know, we, we've built something that's pretty fucking cool. Um, and we hear from folks again, all of the time that, um, that really respect, uh, the work that we've done, listen to the podcast, have shared the podcast, use the podcast to teach, um, yeah. you know, in their classrooms. Uh, it's really, it, that for me is, um, it is, it's amazing. Um, did I mean, talk about you know, unexpected. No, I mean, that, that was something that has, has continuously blown my mind that when I, when I hear that our work has been, used to teach courses or used in prison education programs or, or what have you. Like I just, um, or people are writing about it or t- using excerpts to, you yeah. know, to write about our work used in a and, gallery. Yeah. And I'm just like, wait, what? Um, and it's, it's amazing to be able to share that with um, folks that we know on the inside as well. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, you know, we, we would like to just move beyond prisons um, yes <laughs> hence know, the name not, of the of the show <laughs> right? um so we can't forget that you know a lot of this is to um it, it was motivated by the fact that we're both you know uh affected by what's happening um with folks on the inside um yeah. with incarceration in general and everything that the PIC brings, um, including the way that it manifests in our communities, in our relationships, and all of these things, um, carcerality and, and uh, everything related to the PIC, gotta go. Um, yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, um, and getting that response or getting that feedback from folks on the inside where they're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Or thank you for sharing that with me. Or thanks for, you know, connecting me with this person. Um, it just, yep. uh, that's been amazing. And sharing the tools that we've learned about. And, you know, if if you have um, a toolkit or something, there's so many good things that, that are out there um, yeah. that uh, you think we should talk about. Let us know, drop us a line and, um, you know, um, get in touch and yeah. Um, any final thoughts? No, I mean, thank you for, for saying that. Um, and obviously, you know, though we've talked about having guest hosts step in and do episodes, there is no uh, beyond prisons without you. And I, and also so much of, of the work that I've done regardless, I don't think would have happened without you or the connections I've made or the relationships I've had. So um, you know, while I am extremely grateful for the podcast, I'm more grateful for the the friendship that we've had. And I feel like that 
hopefully comes through um, to folks that listen because there's a lot of love between us and I'm really grateful for that. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, you'll hear from us when we put out episodes. <laughs> right. Right. It's, <laughs> it's like we need to come up with a catchier, like, plans, you know, a, a catchier plans. outro, like, yes. Yeah. Um, see you when we see you. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we do have, you know, we're always scheming and uh, you know, I don't know if we want yeah, to get into it, we're, into we're it or not quite yet, but um, you know, uh, I, we have, you know, some episodes of conversations that this was sort of, you know, to kick off that uh, we're going to work on and, and get out when life permits, um, as well as like some other projects and, and programs that we've been working on and really grateful, you know, also for the relationships that we've built through the podcast that seem to be, you know, hold the potential for future collaborations down the line and, and um just plugging in like wherever we can. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to, to what's going to come next. So. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Cool. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>